You're listening to the Well Women Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's cycle health educator. Together, we're normalizing periods, cracking open real body talk, and femme rising the future. I'm here to remind you that your body is amazing. You can achieve balance, and body confidence all begins with your menstrual cycle. Get ready, beautiful. You're about to learn how to confidently reconnect with your body and discover your unique flow. Hey, beautiful. You're tuning in to episode 71 today. What you need to know about your pelvic floor. This episode is with Candace Langford. Now, if you want to go and check her out, she's the woman behind Nurture Your Vagina on Instagram. She's a physiotherapist by trade, practicing in the field of pelvic health and wellness and has a passion for sexual health. She's a physiotherapist who works with patients around symptoms relating to the pelvic floor dysfunction. So I thought, Why not get her on the show? Because she's a pelvic floor expert, right? So she's known for talking about pee, poo, pleasure, and pain, all in a lighthearted manner around your pelvic floor health. She uses online platforms to educate you so you can become familiar with your pelvic floor. And that's exactly what this podcast episode is all about. We dive into learning about what is the pelvic floor, how the pelvic floor works, and why we have one, along with how it functions and the way in which we can support ourselves but also how pelvic floor supports healthy sex, because of course, it's the Well Women podcast, we have to talk about sex too, and how you can fill up your own sexual cup through understanding your pelvic floor health. And then she gives us three things we can do to support our pelvic floor health on a day-by-day basis. It's a beautiful episode, and I trust that you're going to enjoy it as much as I did. Get ready, because she is a wizard and has so much information to share on pelvic floor. I'm blown away, and I think you will be too. This episode is brought to you by my brand new five-day Love Your Cycle mini course. A simplified self-paced course to teach you the foundations and fundamentals of your menstrual cycle in under a week. Receive daily educational class videos and audios along with action steps, a cycle tracking guide, cycle prompts and my Love Your Cycle 50 page ebook. This is your chance to discover everything you wish they had have taught you at school about your cycle. How to eat, how to move, honoring your emotions and identifying PMS and cycle signs before they arise. It's now your turn to join over 300 women from around the world who have already taken this course to reclaiming and reconnecting with their bodies. And you can do this too in under a week and for less than a fancy vegan burger. To learn more, visit wellsome.com forward slash shop. Now, to say thank you for being an amazing listener of the Well Women podcast, I have a discount code for you. Use Cycle Love at the checkout to save 20% off. Candice, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I'm really excited to talk about pelvic floor health today. So before we jump into it, tell us what day of your cycle are you on and how are you checking in today? Okay, so <laughs> bit of a funny question for me right now, and I think it's I'm going to blame it on Corona and the, the world that we're living in right now. But I think I'm on, on day two, I think. Um, I'm just assuming that with the stress and with the up and down of, of life right now and how much everything has changed, it's definitely affected my cycle. Um, I'm not on any form of hormonal contraceptive, so I am tracking my, my cycle just naturally, but it's definitely changed in the last, let's say, two months. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm on day two, but it seems to be just disappearing and then coming back again. Okay. So, okay. Hmm. So it's, it's fluctuating. Well, you're, you're here and like, just enjoy your inner winter vibes, I would say, and trust your body. I know that a lot of women have been really experiencing high, like ups and downs and shifts and changes with their cycle globally and stress is a really big contributing factor. So um, allow, fully allow, but tell us who you are. So I know what you do myself, but tell us how did you get into pelvic floor health? What does a pelvic floor health practitioner actually do and what does it look like okay so so my name is Candice as we all know um, and I'm a physiotherapist by trade and what I have done is I have taken physiotherapy and I've gone into a specific field a niche field and that being pelvic floor physiotherapy so there aren't very many of us around i mean specifically in south africa there aren't really that many of us and what we do is we address and treat and manage 
pelvic floor dysfunction. So in my practice, that, that is what I would do with, with my patients. And from that came, I, I realized the need for, for a platform of education. So what I was doing in, in, in practice is I was sitting for over an hour with my patients, um, teaching them about and educating them about their bodies and the things that we should have a basic understanding of our anatomy, where the pelvic floor is, what it does, etc. So this is when uh, I said, okay, I need to create something that is going to inform my patients so that we can get through the assessment quicker, but also to inform patients that have maybe been struggling with symptoms for years and years and years on end. And they have potentially thought that those symptoms were just normal because no one has ever spoken, spoken about them and no one has ever asked them the question, you know, postpartum, um, do you leak? Do you have pain in sex? Are you constipated? How are you managing? Or do you have low levels of desire? If no one's ever asked you that, so what I always say to my patients, because we, we tend to be so hard on ourselves and, and kind of say, oh, you know what, I've taken such poor care of myself. How could I not have come to you earlier? How have I not managed these symptoms? But you don't know what you don't know. So how would you ever be expected to come through and seek help and find answers and find management? So the, the, that's where No Chew Vagina, the Instagram um, platform was born, where I um, try and empower through education to improve the influx of patients to, to whatever professional it is that they choose so that they can have those pelvic floor symptoms managed and addressed and seen to, just so that we can thrive through, I mean, like with, with what you're doing, so we can thrive through every single cycle, every single phase, I mean, every single phase of our cycle and every single phase of our life through puberty, childbearing years, perimenopause, postmenopause. Um, because when we are poorly informed, we are at a disadvantage. We, 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 can't, we can't live to our best. So that's, that's where pelvic floor physio ended up in Instagram and, and has ended up in this kind of platform where I am and interacting with women from, from wherever I can possibly interact. All over the world about the pelvic floor. All over the world, yeah. And, and not necessarily women and those that identify as, as female, but anyone with, with vulva or uterine. Um, yeah. anatomy <laughs> yes i love that yeah. to be politically correct um so tell us candace like what is the pelvic floor i know for me when i first heard like people talking about the pelvic floor i always just thought of pilates you know mm -hmm. i think back to when i started pilates you know when i used to do rowing oh god this is going back like 16 18 years sure. and they were always like you know you know make sure you switch on your you know your your pelvic floor and i i just always thought the pelvic floor was like just muscles in your abs so wrong so tell us what is the pelvic floor yeah so so there's often this kind of miscommunication between okay pulling your core suck your belly button in and, and clench and try and stop the flow of urine um so, so that lots of miscommunication in and around how to effectively and functionally use pelvic floor as well but so your pelvic floor and i'm going to explain first just without the model so that this can come across correctly on, on podcast too. So the pelvic floor is like a bowl of muscle at the base of your trunk. So it slings from your two sit bones that you're sitting on, and then it slings from your coccyx at the back all the way through to your pubic symphysis at the front. So it's a group of muscles that function to control your sphincters. So we've in, in a female, we've got three holes, males have two holes, so they've got the anus, the urethra, if I'm going to go in correct order, the anus, the vagina, and the urethra. So the pelvic floor has a level of involuntary control. So that's why we don't drink and everything just goes straight through us, right? Thank um, <laughs> yeah, thank goodness. Um, so so the, the pelvic floor has a level of voluntary control that kind of controls those sphincters and keeps them clenched. Um, but then there's a, a level of involuntary control where you would need to actively bring in and, active, and activate those muscles in order to either close off and lift up or relax and let go to achieve different functions. Um, so, so that's kind of a basics of where the pelvic floor is. And I'll just bring up the model. So, so if, if you were to look at, look at, look from the bottom and see where your coccyx is slinging all the way forward to your pubic symphysis as a, as well as from your, your ischial tuberosity. So your sit bone through to the other sit bone. And these, these muscles then contract to close off and lift up 
So if you think of a balloon, um, which I often use in my um, in my, my presentations, if you, if you blow up a balloon and you've got something that is knaping or, sorry, I think that's a South African word, um, something that is kind of clenching the bottom of, bottom of that balloon so that no water or no air escapes. So that is where the pelvic floor comes in. And depending on what you do, you might need to activate it in order to hold, to get to the loo, to, to <laughs> enter the Like when you're on a long drive and you can't stop on the side of the road to pee and you're just waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. I feel like that's my mum my entire childhood. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Every exactly. car ride, can we stop to go to the toilet? I'm like, mum, we just left the house. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, so, so I mean, that, that might, be, might be a topic that we can go into as well, in just the frequency and control and that urge to go to the loo. Um, so, so just like any other muscle in our body, we need to have good functional ability, dynamic ability. We need to be able to completely let go. So for example, your biceps, you have to let go in order to straighten out your arm fully, but you also have to have the ability to contract through your full range of motion. And what, what, where the problems come in is that we oftentimes are stuck in this like half active phase. So many of us are in the sympathetic nervous system response and everything is kind of go, go, go. And we don't realize that we have got this constant kind of slight clench in your pelvic floor. So I want you to kind of just check in with your body right now. What is happening with your pelvic floor? Are you clenching just slightly? Or are you fully relaxed and let go? We need to have both phases. And oftentimes when I do that with, with patients or on a, on a webinar or wherever it may be, they'll realize, hey, I, well, one, I may not even know what relax feels like. I don't know if I'm contracted or relaxed. Um, and two, yet, or, or two, you are gently kind of knaping or squeezing. So, so a lot of what I do is teaching people how to first let go before we activate and get through full range. And when we are now strengthening, we need to have both endurance so that ability kind of contract and hold. So you can get from one side of the shopping center to the other side of the shopping center to get to the loo, or the ability kind of power and have a good strong contraction so that you can laugh, cough, sneeze, run, jump, or you know, do a burpee without the feeling of, of, of leaking. So functional pelvic floor um, is super, super important to achieve uh, the different functions that the, the pelvic floor has. So let's talk about why we have a pelvic floor, because okay. I know that we hold on, like we need that so we don't piss ourselves. <laughs> Nothing worse, you know, standing in a line waiting to buy something or waiting for your food order to be made and being like, I'm busting to go to the toilet. God, there's like nothing worse. So tell us, yeah. apart from that, you know, what is the purpose of the pelvic floor? Like, why do we, as women, why do we have the pelvic floor? Okay. Perfect. So, so there's a few functions and I'll go through kind of the most prevalent ones that, that are applicable to, to a majority of the population and, and oftentimes men as well, you know, but so what the, as I said, the pelvic floor is going to contract to close off sphincters and lift up when it's doing that. So number one, the pelvic floor is there to maintain continence, to keep pee and poo inside. So you've got this involuntary level of contraction, but when you are bursting to go, you can, or when you kind of feel a fart coming, you can, you feel it and you say, Hey, not now. <laughs> and then often that urge goes away. Right. So, yeah. so it's that level of control of pee and keeping pee and poo inside to maintaining continence. So, so the, the thing that can go wrong there is that if you don't have that good endurance or that power, you might experience leaking. So you might experience incontinence. So, so leaking of urine or leaking of stool or leaking of gas uh, when you kind of don't give consent for it to do so, when you're not really prepared to empty the bladder. Um, then a second function would be allowing passage. So having the ability to relax and let go of the pelvic floor to allow urine out or to allow a stool out. So like I said, oftentimes we're stuck in this kind of parasympathetic, in the, in the sympathetic nervous system response and we, we go, 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 go. And we sit on the loo and we constipate it. Or we sit on the loo and you have to bear down in order to pass urine because we don't know how to let go. We're stuck in this kind of half active phase of pelvic floor. And, and this is where... Um, <laughs> I just had the funniest so, so, memory pop into mind. I have to share it, but keep going. Yeah, yeah go, go, go. No, no, no. Keep, no. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> keep going, then I'll tell my, my because I just realized, I just had an aha moment about my own pelvic floor. Yeah, ah, <laughs> keep good, going. Good. 
So, um, so yes, so we, we need the pelvic floor to be able to relax, to open up those sphincters, to let go, to allow urine out and to allow stool out. So if there are issues here and you can't let go, what often happens is that we have urinary, urinary retention. It's always a bit of a tongue twister. Um, mm. Urinary retention, which means that we may not be fully emptying the bladder. So what might happen there is because you're not fully emptying, that means every half hour you might need to go to the loo because you're not emptying fully and then filling up completely. So you kind of always need to go and you always have this urge to go. Or you might get up off of the loo and then all of a sudden you start leaking. Hey man, I thought I was done. Mm -hmm. Or you aren't letting go. So you're sitting on the loo to urinate and you're pushing. And a lot of us don't realize that we're doing that. And only in the second session when I, when I see patients, they come in there and say, hey, I was doing that. I didn't thought I think I was, but I really was. I, I really push because I've got a baby crying. I've got something on the stove. I'm busy. I've got to get back to my office or get back to my desk. So I wanted to rush the urination. And this just kind of messes up the, the communication between your brain, your bladder, and your pelvic floor. And then when we go to the back passage, if we aren't able to let go fully, then you're most likely going to feel constipated. So with regards to bowel movements, we need to be going every single day and we should not be pushing. So if you're not letting go your, your, your sphincters and not letting go your pelvic floor, you'll probably find that you are bearing down and pushing on the loo. And this is where, where the, the, the squatty potty, I mean, there's lots of different variations of the squatty potty, but it is essential. I call it the postal. Yeah, 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 the postal. Everyone needs to have one. And what happens Same with life. that? Yeah, it does. And I hear that so often. So I just tell everyone, you, you have to have one. It doesn't work for everyone. And uh, you, you must first experiment with it. So some people are going to say, oh, my bum's numb, my legs go numb. Or when I take my feet off is actually when I, my, my stool will come out. But what typically happens with the majority of the population is that um, when we're standing and when we're sitting, the anorectal angle is kinked because the pelvic floor wraps around it, right? So when you have your knees above your hips, what happens is the pelvic floor let, lets go. And now that king toast pipe, which we know doesn't work, becomes a straight hose pipe, a lot easier to pass the stool. And that, that just simple analogy, it's, of course, okay. Because we are kind of, we have, have developed to, to squat, I mean, to like be in this like proper deep squat position in order to pass the stool. And that can be linked into why it's easier to deliver a baby in that type of position as well. So um, having the ability to allow passage of urine and allow passage of stool is what's going to give us um, full function of, of emptying our bladder and emptying our bowel so that we don't experience um, retention, repeated UTIs or frequency or constipation. Um, so I've got a few more, more other functions. Do you want me yeah, to go tell those us. Too? Yeah, tell cool, us. Cool, cool. Um, so another... It is, it is it's making me think, Candice, about how much your pelvic floor is related to your emotions or your emotional state or your mental state in the sense of holding on. Um, like something, and everyone who's been you know, a listener of this podcast for a while knows that I talk about like, once you let your shit in your life go, you will let your shit in your body go too. And yeah. it's a lot about letting go, it sounds like it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, majority of, of my patients... Um, and, and what I do on Instagram, I do all the pelvic floor release techniques is because there's this misconception that we need to kegel. And after you've given birth, you, you know, everyone's, everything's just going to fall out of you. So you just need to clench and kegel. And like you say, we, we hold our emotions in our body somewhere. So if you're not letting go of your emotions, your body is going to show you some way. And it's going to present those emotions in some physical sense. And oftentimes we are so in tune with clenching our drool, holding our shoulders up here, taking short, shallow breaths when we are stressed. But we're not really in tune with what we do in our pelvic floor, and that is Kegel. We clench, we hold on to tension. And I know in, in yoga, it's, it's termed the mulabandha. Mm. Um, and, and like you say, it's often cued in, in, in Pilates as well as a sense of control. So, but what we really need to be doing is teaching everyone how to uh, let that go, let it, let it go so that everything else can function because just like the rest of our body, we need to have a full range of motion through full relax, through full contract in order to achieve these functions that we are listing. So this brings me to my third function and that is facilitating and maintaining control of the lumbar, lumbar pelvic region. So the pelvic floor is, is part of the core that you would have definitely heard about. But what it's going to do, it's going to, it's going to contribute to a stable foundation at the base of your trunk. So when we have got the stable foundation, 
it's think of a stable foundation of a house. If you've got the stable foundation, the walls are going to function, the windows, everything's going to function well. So we need to have the ability to contract and control this, this pelvic floor through through all these different ranges and through with power and endurance so that we are going to have better functioning hips, better functioning knees, better functioning ankles, etc. It's going to, it, it creates a, it's an important and essential um, functional uh, contribution to our general and our global strength and, and exercise ability. So what happens sometimes is that a patient will come in and say, oh, I've got this chronic hip pain and I've had it for years and I've been treated by everyone under the sun. It just doesn't go away. But so just, just ignore that. Let's just rather work on my shoulder. Um, but then we start to say, well, what's happening in your pelvic floor? What are your pelvic floor symptoms? You know, is there weakness? Is there excessive tension? Is there excessive tone? Let's see what happens when we treat that and let's then see what happens with the pelvic floor. And the majority of times, that chronic pain that's been there forever and a day is now what's going to resolve because pelvic floor is contributing to a foundation that is affecting and impacting the way we use everything above and everything below. Mm. So that's a, I mean, that's where, where, where the yoga and the Pilates side really, really comes um, with, with quite a lot of value of, of, of informing and empowering women to, to know how to do both relax and contract because then it'll improve your function and, and your performance in whatever other sport or exercise that you might be doing. So yeah, really, really important one is, is that ability to, to maintain a stable foundation. Um, then another, I'm just going to mention two other functions. Another function would be um, supporting the pelvic organs. So you've got your bladder, your bowel, and your uterus, which sit in that pelvic bowl. And what happens, what can happen is that after injury, after surgery, after um, advantional delivery, or the type of delivery, so let's say if it's forceps used, the, 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 the ligaments that kind of support these organs up here might be ruptured, torn, or stretched. So much so that those organs are now sitting a lot lower. So this pelvic floor has always served an important role in kind of supporting the pelvic organs where they are. But when specifically when there's injury or, or tension, dysfunction or scar tissue that has resulted in these organs sitting lower, the pelvic floor has an even more important role of contracting and lifting up. So uh, pelvic floor physio and, and doing the correct type of exercises and management has been shown to either, you know, stop a prolapse from, from progressing or to reverse a prolapse. So we need to make sure that if these symptoms are, are presenting, that we not just, I mean, surgery is sometimes absolutely necessary, but we're not just jumping to this kind of drastic form of management, but that we are aware of the fact that we can do something conservative. There are exercises, there, there's, there's treatment that, that can facilitate improved function of the, of the um, and positioning of, of the pelvic organs. And then the last function that I want to bring up is what I'm passionate about, and I think everyone has seen me talk about it on my Instagram page, um, and that is um, the function during sex. So the function, and when I say sex, sex is not equal intercourse. Sex is all that brings males and females pleasure. So it is inclusive of external genitalia stimulation, oral, manual, whatever it may be, as well as penetrative intercourse. So, um, so all sexual pleasure, are, basically. All pleasure. Anything mm -hmm. that feels good, that, that, is, that is sex. Uh, we need to stop using sex and intercourse interchangeably because it, it disregards um, female pleasure. Because we kind of say like, oh, you know, I'm going to judge my relationship on how many times I have sex. But all you are counting is P and V, penis and vagina. Okay, we have it twice a week or three times a week. That means that, yeah, we're hitting a goal. But I mean, what, what, what are the other things that fill your sexual cup? What other things bring you pleasure? And those need to be counted as sex and equally valued. So I, I don't know if the term has, has been used before. I think that it's described in other ways. By other professionals but I, I call it the sexual cup how, how do we go about filling your sexual cup and what is it is it hot wax is it you know a soft gentle touch is it um oral stimulation is it manual stimulation what is it that fills your sexual cup and that is sex for you and that is where the priority needs to be and that should be more about how us as um, females males heterosexual couples or not whatever whatever structure you have got going on that is where your priority needs to be and that is what you need to address if you are addressing your your sexual relationship or your sexual experiences with your partner but before i go on another tangent 
Um, so the pelvic floor during during intimacy. So the pelvic floor needs to be able to relax, open up those those sphincters, specifically the vagina, in order to achieve comfortable penetrative intercourse. So when what what is happening is that um, during arousal, our pelvic floor relaxes, our uterus and our cervix lift up, and we start to produce natural lubrication. This comes with external stimulation. So this comes with, I don't like to call it foreplay, but I think everyone knows what I'm talking about when I say foreplay. So this comes with, with that type of activity or that type of sexual stimuli. Um, but what we don't always know, and it's oftentimes rushed because it's considered foreplay. So it's just this stuff, little thing that happens in the beginning and it's like negligible. You don't really need to do it. That's, that's a perception I'm I'm moving away from that as much as I possibly can. And that's what I'm trying to get across. So when you do 20 minutes or so of this external stimulation, that is going to get the pelvic floor to the state where you've got more relaxation, where you've got this natural lubrication, where the uterus and the cervix moves up so that there's more space for a penis or a toy or a speculum or whatever, whatever it is, whatever it is that you're using in your <laughs> It's funny because I've heard it's 40 minutes. I, I've, it I've can heard... take up to 40 minutes for, for a woman to be really yeah. open and ready for, uh, I guess you could say, penetrative sex. Um, yeah. Yeah. We actually yeah. talked so, about this last week in last week's episode with Leela. Um, oh, divine. Yeah, so really great topic. But yeah, go on. Yes. So, so, so yeah, the, 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 uh, there's definitely um, a range of times that have been given and I've, I've heard 20 minutes and I've, and I've heard 40 minutes. Most of the time, if I mention 40 minutes, it's, it's like shock horror, you know, I'm a mom, I've got two kids, I've got no time for that. How am I going to fit that in? And, and I think, and I always like to make sure that I prioritize men's pleasure too. So we don't want to, we are already sitting like this. We don't want to now reverse the tables and, and, prioritize women over me. We need to be quite an equal playing field. And I think that the 20 minutes becomes a little bit more um, realistic for both parties. And, and it's definitely something that's attainable, whether or not you use a toy in, it that, in that or, or whatever it is. But we need to use these, these um, this kind of like protocol in order to allow for that full relaxation and that preparedness of the pelvic floor to have comfortable intercourse. So if there's if there's problems with this, if the, if the dysfunction that would then relate to this is an inability to let go. So that inability to let go might be related to fear and anxiety. It might be related to scar tissue that's not allowing you to fully let go that pelvic floor. It might be spasm in the pelvic floor, or it, it might be a, a level of right versus left. There might be a lot of weakness on one, one side and a lot of tone on the other side. And then we can't get this full relaxation. So fascinating. Penetration. Yeah, yeah. So you can have one stronger side of your pelvic floor than the other, I guess. Yeah. How would that work with, um, like, what could go wrong with sex then? You know, if, you, if you're thinking of, like, if we talk about sexual health with your pelvic, pelvic floor, mm. how would, like, what's something that would maybe occur during sex, like penetrative sex, um, that would make you alarmed or highlighted that, oh, hang on, there's something going on with my pelvic floor? Yeah. Um, yeah. So a few things, um, but I'll mention the common ones. So dyspareunia is pain during sex, pain during in, um, penetrative intercourse. So you might experience pain and that can be a result of spasm or tension, or like we've said, this kind of difference between right and left, because it doesn't then allow you to let go. And because you're stuck like this, it's difficult to relax. And, and, and sometimes it might be you, you not, might, might not be ready completely. So it's like forcing this, this fist open and that can be uncomfortable for you. So dyspareunia would be that pain during intimacy. And it can pop up at any time. It might be, you know, a change in sport. It might be postpartum. It might be, um, you know, after you've taken it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it can really just pop up at, at, at whenever it kind of feels like. And you don't be, and often because we're not very in tune with our pelvic floor, we're not aware of, okay, hey, I've started uh, a new sport and I did this really deep stretch. You think that it's only beneficial for you, um, whereas you don't know what's really happening. We're not really in tune with what's happened in our pelvic floor then. So then oftentimes we relate it back to something random that happened, like, oh, I did this, you know, weird lunge or I tried to do a jumping squat and that's what actually was the trigger. Um, 
and then uh, another thing that, that that can that can kind of pop up with with um, intimacy and pain and dysfunction during intimacy would be something that we term um, a loss of tissue integrity. So this can occur at different phases in your menstrual cycle, at different phases of your of your life. Um, it can occur during your postpartum period, and typically that is because of reduction in, in your estrogen levels, and this causes a um, if you if you imagine thick and plump and good circulation tissue that's just really really healthy compared to tissue that that has um that's more sensitive a little bit more brittle that uh, when exposed to friction you might get little cuts or tears or um, it just doesn't it doesn't cope with with change very well so this tissue if, if you are either period or postmenopause or if you're breastfeeding because that keeps estrogen low um, or if you are at the end of your luteal phase or just after menstruating you'll experience a little bit of vaginal dryness and during penetrative intercourse what you might experience is these little model at the area of your posterior fourchette so right about here women often experience um, little cuts or, or discomfort or a stinging mo um, sensation. And it can come across as, as like a paper cut in that, the, that area. And it's because we, we're, not, we're not responding well to this friction and our tissues aren't um, unable to recover in time. And we end up with these repeated episodes of, of pain. So in this instance, we, we definitely need to use lube, a lube that is um going to be beneficial for you and in australia i'm, I'm so jealous if <laughs> you guys have got a brilliant product called olive and bee um and it's a mixture of olive oil and beeswax and it is it's sure just you can it, make it yeah yeah i'm sure you can but i mean this olive and bee um if, if if you look into it they have really experimented with their their recipe and they've got this like, perfect combination and um what it can be used as a vaginal moisturizer, it can be used as a personal lubricant, and, and it's it's so healthy you can like use it on your lips. But anyway, we don't have that here. So so I, I promote using a healthy um, non-irritant lubricant to make sure that you are you, you are reducing that amount of friction in these instances. Mm. And then another um, symptom might be vaginismus. So vaginismus is an involuntary contraction or spasm of your superficial pelvic floor muscles. And if this is the entrance of your vagina, it literally tensions up and, and, and feels as like though you don't clothes. have vaginal canal. Yeah. So, so these patients, um, and it's oftentimes associated with fear and, and anxiety, which we know now, we've mentioned how fear and anxiety can cause you to kind of clench up subconsciously, even if you are mentally prepared to engage in intercourse, what you might experience is that the moment that you are, are moving towards that direction, there's a subconscious fear and anxiety, everything kind of tensions up and you feel as though you don't have a vaginal canal. So you might have experienced this for the first time um, when you are, you know, experience your first menstrual period and you're trying to insert a tampon and insert a finger for the first time and you kind of can't, where is it? I don't know, what is, where is this hole that people speak about? Or it might be incredibly painful. You might go to a gynecologist and they try and insert a speculum for the first time and, and it's incredibly painful and, and not a nice experience. And too often women are told, just grit and bear with it and you know, just, just relax and just have a glass of wine and, and you know, you'll be fine. And, and, and those symptoms are brushed under the rug where they really, really shouldn't be because these symptoms can be treated. Um, and they're important can... signs to listen to. Like if something doesn't feel right to you and intuitively your body say, like you're listening and you, you can sense that it doesn't feel right. It's important to be able to speak up about that and yeah. be able to seek help. And I feel like a lot of women who might be listening to this Candace probably have never thought about any of these things before. You know, have never thought about like, Oh, like even like what you're mentioning about like the paper, like cuts, um, you know, that can happen, you know, at the entrance of your vulva. Most people have probably never thought about that being maybe related with their pelvic floor health. So these are really great and open points to, to be aware of that there's so much more to your pelvic floor than just abs and muscles. <laughs> yes, 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 definitely. Yeah. And I, I think, I mean, like, like I said, that's where, where the Instagram page was born. Um, to make sure that we are exposing these things so that the women feel empowered to when if if a medical professional disregards the symptoms that you are are experiencing, you are empowered enough to say, hey, this isn't normal. Help me find someone that is going to treat me and listen to my symptoms. 
or you'd be empowered enough to say, I'm not going back to that medical professional because they're disregarding something that is significant to me. And I'm going to go find someone that's willing to listen and understand and, and facilitate, you know, treating um, the symptoms that you, you might have as opposed to ignoring them or brushing them off. So, um, so, so that would be vaginismus and it can either be primary. So it's something that you've, it's just always been there as far as you can possibly remember, or it can be secondary. So secondary meaning that it, it's popped up kind of in response to some kind of event. And it might be something that you don't really realize is significant for you, but it might be um, some kind of trauma, emotional, physical, mental trauma. And in response with that, that fear and anxiety, so comes this external pelvic floor, superficial muscle um, contraction and, and a sense of, you know, closing off of the, the vaginal canal. And, and women in this instance are unable to achieve penetration. So there's different grades, there's one to five, but but in, uh, typically unable to achieve penetration and it's associated with fear and anxiety and pain. So these things need to be treated. And then the last um, symptom that, that's quite common that, that I need to mention and it does relate to menstrual cycle as well would be provoked vestibular dynia. So your that? vestibule, yeah. <laughs> So, 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 yeah, yeah, what, what, what? Um, so your vestibule is, it, it, there's a line, it, 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 there's a line called heart's line and internal of that kind of going in towards the vaginal canal, that is your, your vestibule. And it's, it's comprised of androgen sensitive tissues. So what my, my most common um, interaction with patients that are, that are experiencing this are those that are, these symptoms have popped up in response to using um, combined hormonal contraceptives. So what happens is that when testosterone levels or androgens are low, this tissue becomes incredibly sensitive and hypersensitive. And what you might feel is like a sharp, sharp sensation, a burning sensation, a stinging sensation, and not just to penetrative intercourse, but it can be just sitting with a pair of tights on. It can be just the touch of your panties on, on your vulva tissue. It can be when you attempting manual stimulation. It can be when you are, you know, sitting on a specifically hard stool. Um, and then of course with penetrative intercourse as well. So, so what happens here is that it's either hormonal, it can be from really tight pelvic floor muscles, or it can be from um, inflammation in the area or um, what we call as neuroproliferation or tongue twister. But so it can be hormones, it can be tight pelvic floor muscles, and the last two relate to repeated infection. So if you're someone that kind of has these repeated UTIs, and now down the line, you've got this provoked vestibulodynia, which is this, the sharp burning pain around the entrance of your, of your vulva, it can be because everything is so hypersensitive because of those changes that have happened over time. So what we need to do is if you're on a hormonal contraceptive that, that is affecting your androgen levels, that needs to be seen to. We need to see, okay, do we need to change that? Do you need some kind of hormonal cream that we now apply to the area to help to restore and rejuvenate this tissue so it's not so sensitive? And there's, there's very many medical um, components that we can use to treat, as well as um, pelvic floor physio, so we can make sure that those muscles are now relaxed. So it's not about clenching up. And oftentimes in, in response to this pain, we, we, we tend to clench up and tighten. And similarly with endometriosis, period pain, we clench and, and, and activate these pelvic floor muscles where we really need to learn to let go so that we can reduce yes. these symptoms. Yeah. So I'm sure, I'm sure you and your followers all are, are very much in tune with, with those hormonal changes that happen with being on a, on a, a contraceptive pill and how that will now start to influence um, your the, the, this this presentation of provoked vestibular dynia. Mm. Yeah. There are so many, Candice. I am blown away. Like, literally, my mind is like, holy freaking moly. Like, this one muscle, I guess the body has, you know, hundreds of muscles. But yeah. I was going to ask the question, you know, so, like, what are some, like, the, what are three main signs that women can look out for um, to know that maybe their pelvic floor health could be worked on? But I think you've already given so many great examples and people might be thinking, oh, hang on, that's some, that sometimes happens to me or I get a lot of UTIs or, 
you know, actually sex kind of feels painful for me and or actually I really struggle to hold on to going to the toilet. So I think we've covered that question. But my next question, um, as we're nearly out of time, my next question is what are three things women can do to support their pelvic floor health? So just three really easy things that if a woman's listening to this or they have a friend that they know needs to know this information, what are three things they could start doing today to support their the health of their pelvic floor? So, so the three kind of topics that I, I promote in my practice and, for example, in the sexual health webinar that, that I'm in the middle of hosting now is that we need to educate ourselves. So the more we understand and we know our anatomy, so becoming more in tune with, with what it is that is between your legs is beyond valuable. So it, for you, that might look like taking a mirror and actually having a look and normalizing this, this area of your body and kind of saying, hey, you know what, I expected this to look like a bear down there, but it doesn't, it looks great, it looks normal. Um, educating yourself by looking at, at pictures of vulvas. So there, there are, there's, a, um, there's a website called labialibrary.org. Oh my God, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And how much does that normalize? So it stops us from catastrophizing and creating this level of anxiety and tension in the pelvic floor. So the more we are educated in and around what everything looks like, hey, I'm normal. Hey, it's normal to have different size labia. And, oh, you know, my vulva looks great. It's different from the next person. We all have eyes, noses, mouths, ears, right? But they all look very different. My face looks completely different to your face. And I don't question that. We need to be the same in and around our vulva anatomy. And we need to start normalizing our view of our body and, and just practice that self-love through education. So it might be using a mirror. It might be looking at, at cartoon drawings. It might be looking at labialibrary.org. Um, just on that, I'm going to pop a link to the lab, labia library, um, such a tongue twister, labia library in the show notes to this episode. So if you've never heard of that before, visit the show notes and there'll be a direct link so you can go check that out. But yeah, yeah. keep going, Candice. So, so, so that might be really difficult for, for followers to, 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 to digest, depending on, on your background and what you've come over and your cultural kind of understanding around, around pelvic health. So it might be a lot more easy to, to digest images that are more cartoon-like. So that's when um, the vulva gallery comes, comes very much in handy. And those, this, I, I don't know if you've seen it before, but they, it's, it's like hand drawings of the vulva either from the mons pubis at the front or from the vulva at the bottom or a, a, a view of a woman's kind of legs spread and you can see her vulva. Um, and these are really, really great and it can be a good starting point, but you might need, you might just need to be okay with the fact that you might need to look at a line drawing first and then go to a cartoon and then go to female anatomy of another person's body and then go to looking at a mirror and looking at yourself. And it's okay if that is the way that you have to take this. So um, education is super, super important and, and really becoming in tune with what your own body looks like. Um, and then number two would be connection. So now then connecting to your own body. And you can do this through something like meditation. So um, what, I, what I advise women to do is to do two minutes of meditation a day, where at least two minutes where you are focusing on nothing other than your vulva. Just bringing your attention to that area. So we've educated ourselves and we know kind of where it is, what it does, and now we need to connect to it. Because oftentimes through social media, through uh, social constructs of what the, what the female body should look like, is that we develop this disconnect. And because we don't know how to control it, we don't know what's going on down there, we don't, know, we don't understand it, we kind of just turn off from it and we, we become disconnected from, from the waist down. Um, and we re need to reconnect to this area. So what happens in practice is that I'll have patients and I'll say, okay, so what does it feel like to, to relax your pelvic floor? And I might be doing an internal digital exam right now of the vagina or of the pelvic floor, but my finger is internal in the vagina. And um, I'll say, okay, relax now. And they're like, I am relaxing. And I'm going to say, okay, contract now. I am contracting and nothing's really happening. And that's because we have such a disconnect and we don't realize how much of a physiological impact that disconnect can have. Mm. So we need to, number two is connect to the area. 
two minutes of, of focused breathing where all you are thinking about is your vulva, to normalize that thought, to stop the catastrophizing so that you can, you can say to yourself, hey, okay, I can feel my vulva. Hey, this actually isn't a sore moment. I don't have pain right now. Oh my word, that, you know, I can feel that with every inhale, there's a gentle blossoming of the vagina. I can feel that. Whoa, you know, I'm, I'm connecting. It's part of my body. It's a normal part of my body. And then number three would be movement. So whether that movement for you is about letting go and releasing scar tissue, releasing tight muscle, releasing um, fascia in and around the area, or number three for you, movement might be more associated with incorporating activation, incorporating a Kegel into the movements that you are doing. Um, so I don't like... I don't like teaching women how to just do a Kegel in isolation or just do a relaxation in isolation. We need to be doing this in a functional sense because if I teach you right now how to do a Kegel and I say, okay, exhale, closing back, front lift, relax, let go. And that is the only way you ever practice doing a Kegel. Then what are you going to do when you are walking through the shopping center and you need to, to wee? And now you say, okay, Candace said that when I need to, um, we, I need to activate my, my pelvic floor to help turn off that urge to go to the bathroom while I wait, make my way to the toilet. But all you've ever done is sit down, get comfortable and Kegel in this position. So now what are you going to do when you need to be standing up and you need to be walking or you're standing in a queue for a shop and, to buy something? You need, it needs to be functional. So we need to incorporate either relax or contract into your activity, into walking, into stair climbing, into whatever it is that you do you're, you're doing it in your day-to-day -day life really that's what you're saying yes it, it yeah. Need, yeah it needs to be become functional and, and become part of your existing um exercise routine yeah um, sounds great yeah so that would be the third that would be the third thing so education connection and then movement in whatever way that is going to be suitable for you which you might need some guidance on as to figure out what it is that what's yeah. best for your body and your specific symptoms Candice, that's amazing. There are going to be so many women who are listening to this who are going to walk away one mind blown like myself, um, but then also going, hang on a second, there's actually some basic things that I can do. And I know you, we don't have time to talk about Kegels because we're almost out of time, but I know that you mentioned about Kegels. Um, and if women don't know what that is, um, you know, I personally use Yoni eggs and I love using a Yoni egg. I really incorporate using my Yoni egg in my day-to-day -day life, <laughs> literally throughout the day. It's not something that I sit down and do necessarily with the meditation practice. And I find it's been so fantastic for me, especially with my menstrual health over the last couple of years. Um, so if you want to learn more about Yoni eggs, you can go to my website and, and check that out or just go to the link in my bio of my Instagram. And there's a direct link there to Yoni eggs and, um, and pleasure things that you can explore with. Um, but Candice, these are such fantastic, fantastic tips that women can walk away with. So thank you so much for joining us on the show. I have one final question, and this is a question that we ask all of our podcast guests. What are three guiding tips that you would give to a younger menstruating self? So think back to when you first started menstruating, what are three things you wish you knew then that you now know today? Yes. So, so one three really, yeah, let me just go back for a second. There's a full guided um, how to do a Kegel on my Instagram TV. So if anyone wants to learn how to do that step-by-step. Step, oh, I'll, I'll pop that in the show notes. Okay, awesome. Um, and then the three tips for, you know, for my younger menstruating self is that menstruation isn't dirty and it, it shouldn't be something that, that we feel shameful about and it should be something that is embraced. So I, I suppose that, I mean, those three things, that could be the three things I didn't intend for that to come out like that, but it's not Perfect. dirty, it's not shameful, and it needs to be something that is celebrated. So in our Indian commu community here, they're actually, I mean, I'm not sure which, um, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure with the different religions within our Indian, Indian community, but I know that one of them, um, they celebrate when a young girl gets her first menstrual period. It's Beautiful. a celebration. It's a big party. And that, when I was younger, I was like, whoa, why would you do that? Then everyone would know. And I wouldn't want to be that person. But it should be a celebration. And that is what we need to become in tune with, that it is healthy, it's natural, it's not dirty, and it is something that needs to be embraced and celebrated. 
I love that. They're three beautiful tips, like so easy. Now I'm definitely going to be linking to that Kegel, how to do a Kegel um, video from your, from your Instagram TV in the show notes. So you can go and check that out ladies. Um, but Candice, for those who are listening to this, um, how can they find you? I know that you live in South Africa in Durban, but you know, how can our ladies and listeners um, reach out and find you? Is Instagram the best platform? Yeah, so so Instagram would be nurture at nurture vagina, which I'm sure you're going to link for everyone. Um, and, and so no spaces in there. And then um, I've just opened up a new website, which is nurture pelvic health. But if you if you Google nurture your vagina, it should come up as well because that's the name of my old website. So nurturepelvichealth.com. And then on inst- I mean on Facebook part of the issue that I'm trying to address here is Facebook doesn't let you use the word vagina. So that is nurture pelvic floor physio. Um, but I'm most active on Instagram and I typically just link to everything else through the Instagram page. I just, I really like the, the way that Fantastic. Yeah. I know. And that's how we connected and I, the social media world is fantastic for that. So I'm definitely going to be popping all those links in the show notes. And of course, when this gets promoted and shared, there'll be lots of links included in that too over on Instagram. But Candice, thank you so much for joining us on the, on the show today and sharing all about pelvic floor health because I know that for me it's definitely been a journey in learning about my own pelvic floor and there's so many other questions we can continue to ask um, so thanks for taking the time and, um, and joining us on the show today such a pleasure thank you so much for having me and for being willing to listen <laughs> mm, thanks so much and have a great day thank you so much for tuning in to every episode of the well women podcast I trust you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. If you got a lot out of it too, please subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes or your podcast app. This means together we can inspire, connect, and educate even more women. Now, is there a bestie, a sister, or a friend who you know may be frustrated and confused with their health? Are they ready to discover new aspects of themselves too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your social media, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to their ears. So together, we can all live in flow, harmony and balance with our bodies. And be sure to tag me in it too. Hashtag Well Women Podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle.